you ever wish that you could have a therapist as a friend? Well, now's your chance. I'm Marianne Griffith, and I'm the host of the Renewal Session Podcast, where each week we have real conversations about the messy and the meaningful things of life with me and some of my friends. I'm a therapist who's passionate about helping people break free of strongholds and create a better life. Pull up a seat and let's dive in to a real conversation. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Renewal Session. I'm Marianne and I'm here with my co-host Katie, who is, happens to be my daughter. Hi, Katie. Hey. What's going on with you today? Oh, nothing. Just got off work and uh, ready to ready to chat. All right. I just got off work too. Well, nice. But I also this is, a, this is my favorite extracurricular activity, actually. Oh, do you have a lot of extracurricular activities? No. This is my only extracurricular activity. <laughs> I'm glad to see that we've made the top. <laughs> yeah, you're the top. You're the top one out of one. And in the bottom. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. So last week, um, I got the, got the privilege to get to talk to Courtney about this book that we all now love the three of us were like um you know wonder wonder triplets unite kind of thing what does it go how wonder triplets you know like it's like wonder twins activate in the form of a you don't know what i'm talking about no but it sounds like a very 80s reference so i'm just gonna let you have it okay it is i'm not gonna lie but regardless (laughs) regardless, the three of us are on those and so i borrowed courtney and all of her great wisdom to talk about um a quote from living buddha living christ and then this week i wanted to talk to you about another one that i i saw that i was in love with so can i read it to you and and us talk about it sure i would love nothing more okay so the quote goes understanding makes love and compassion possible and when love and compassion are present understanding deepens okay so Mm -hmm. this is a thing for me and we've talked about this a lot i don't necessarily call it um understanding makes for love and compassion right but what i do say is that it's not just about i love you it's about i get you and Mm -hmm. as a clinician one of the things that i really strive for in in therapy but then i guess also in just regular life is to really be able to understand or to get a person's experience, like why they see the world through their perspective or lens. What's the stories that bring them to this point in life? Because all of that allows me to have compassion for why they're in these circumstances, why they're reacting the way they react, um, and how I can come alongside them to support them towards the change that they want to have, or just even feel like somebody really is in their corner. And one of the things right. that I found is that a lot of people do not pursue understanding other people. We all want to be loved. We all want to be, be understood, but yet 
most people don't make it a practice. Do you feel like that's something that you make a practice of? Is trying to understand other people's experiences so that you can have more love and compassion? Um, I think I probably have done that more recently in my life. Um, but I don't think that it's something that like comes naturally. I think it's a thing that people really have to want to understand other people in order for that to be like a priority in their lives. I don't think it's like a thing, you know, when you're growing up, they teach you manners, they teach you how to be a good person, how to be a good friend, you know, well, I hope that they do, but, um, I don't think it's a thing you You hope they do. I raised you. (laughs) Right. But I'm saying like, you know, some people, some people don't prioritize that when parenting. And so I would, you know, but I just think that understanding goes like beyond just like being a good friend. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when you really take the time to listen to another person, you do start to realize that we're more alike than we are different. Totally. And that stories really are the underpinning for a lot of why we do what we do in life. Right. Right. Do you, would you say you have, a, you have a fair amount of compassion towards others? Um, I think it depends on, well, I'll say this. I'm a social worker and I feel like my field has a tendency to lead people towards compassion fatigue. And so I have developed a very, you know, specific sense of compassion. Like I, I think I was at the beginning of my career giving compassion to everybody. But I think that after a while you develop a set of criteria, like of, you know, you have to be trying to help yourself. You know, like there are things that I look for when I'm trying to feel compassion towards somebody. And so I think I'm a little bit more critical now, but I think that's out of necessity for my job. But in normal everyday life outside of that, I think that I tend to be a pretty compassionate person. But I also think compassion can, like if you're not careful with it internally, I think it can also lead to like being a pushover. And so I try really hard to avoid that because I do have a tendency to like love so deeply that I get consumed by compassion. Mm, okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't know that I've had that experience. I think because I, I mean, I mean, I definitely have compassion fatigue. I think that's a, that's a thing. And, and in fact, just to explain that, I mean, you did a pretty decent job of ex- explaining it as a hazard of a, you know, some kind of caring profession, but right. really, I mean, we have it all over the place. People, people struggle with this in life where, you know, and it looks kind of like this, where you're talking to a friend and they go on and on and on about their struggles and at the beginning, you're very supportive and engaged and concerned for the person. And you have a lot of compassion for their circumstances. Right. But we all have like, I think this instinct to be like, okay, been here, done this. Let's get out of the pit of despair. Move on now. Right. Right. And if we don't have that reaction to people and we just sit in it, you can become exhausted 
by having to be present with another person. <laughs> the thing that lifts that though is always right. story. When you right. understand a person's story, you, you can actually have endless amounts of compassion and have love for people that other people might be like, I don't get it. Why do you like them? Why do you love them? Because I understand the power of experience, right? right? And I think back to when I was younger and I had, you know, I was a hot wreck of a mess of everything. Everything about me was just hot and messy. And I... <laughs> I can, what? That's true. It was. Everything about me was hot. Okay. And messy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now that you say it back like that with that huge pause, <laughs> it doesn't sound right. I was just trying. It was just, it was just funny because you're like, everything about me was hot. <laughs> and messy. I was like, oh, okay. She's just taking this opportunity to let everybody know. <laughs> <laughs> how attractive I was. Or Sorry, you were in a mojo. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just saying I was a hot mess. I guess I just shouldn't have paused the way I paused. That's what I shouldn't have done. <laughs> it was just, it was just good timing. It was funny. Anyway, but I was a hot mess. And I can remember this family at church really taking me under their wing. And the very first thing that they did was want to know my story and not for the purposes of me, you know, throwing anybody under the bus or blaming or any of those things, just like, who are you? Where did you come from? What do you love about your life? What inspires you? What, what frustrates you? They just wanted to have a relationship with me. And so they began to ask, you know, just a lot of questions and, they paid attention to the things that I got excited about. And little by little, they began to ask harder questions or dig a little deeper into what was going on in my life. But by that time, I had such a relationship with them that I was willing to be more transparent and I was willing to hear what they had to say to me. But they, but they did it all under the umbrella of, we really want to get it and we really want you to feel loved and understood. And right. those were the guiding principles under which they began to ask my story. And so I think to myself, what would it look like if we took these principles of pursuing understanding of the other people in our lives, how would that shift our relationships? with them mm -hmm. and then to take it one step further to say what would it look like if i spent time really understanding what's going on inside of me so right. i have self-compassion right because mm -hmm. it, it is easier for me to be compassionate with other people than it is for me to be compassionate towards myself right but is there anybody in your life right now that you're kind of like i'm struggling to like get this person and maybe if I was just a little bit more curious about their experiences I would have the ability to tolerate them not even just like love them and have compassion but I would be able to to have more 
tolerance towards that person and whatever they're doing. Can you think of a um, you're like, yeah, I probably need to practice pursuing their story a little bit for the purposes of making it easier. Um, I don't know if I can think of anybody right now. I think I've definitely had people in my life um, <clears throat> where my inability to understand their story or like get their story has led to some kind of divide, which ultimately, you know, led to us parting ways or going separate ways or whatever. Um, <clears throat> I think I have a hard time with, you know, I, I have a hard time understanding people's like, I, I think I just have a hard time when people aren't great or I'm just not understanding how they're explaining their story and they just don't have any other way to explain it. I think I just get frustrated with that and I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm just not going to under, understand. Yes. Like they explain it one way, but that's the only way they know how to explain it and I'm not getting it. So rather than ask better questions, I think I just get frustrated and I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to get it. Do you have a story that that that? with that? Um, yeah, so I had this person in my life that had, um, like, issues with panic. And I would be out in a situation that I did not think was a panic-inducing situation. And I would say, oh, okay, we're going to, you know, go and we're, this is how we're going to handle it. But that person just, like, couldn't figure out how to process through the emotion and everything just stopped and like stood still and like, and there was no progress being made and there was no processing and there was no, you know, problem solving. And that was really hard for me because I am very much like a think on the fly kind of person. Yeah. And when you're trying to move through life and experiences you know, it can be really challenging when you're doing that with someone or like in relationship with someone or just in friendship with someone that thinks and processes differently than you. And especially when you think of that person as a very capable person. Yeah. And so I think, so I think that was really hard for me being like, I don't understand why this is the stopping point. Like, why are we stopping instead of processing through it and pushing through it? And so, you know, I think I have, I had a hard time with that, but I think that that's because it was impacting the way that I was able to live. I think when, when you're in just like a friendship with someone that makes it a little bit easier because you know that their life is independent of yours. But yeah. I think that that can be a really challenging thing. And so I had a very hard time processing through that. And that was just, you know, I think that that led to me being so frustrated that I just didn't have room for compassion because I just didn't. And so that's like a perfect example of how, if you could understand the understanding, right. if you could have that aha moment, then you would be able to say, okay, I get it. Right. Now I have, I have this capacity to, to walk this out with you, to right. be able to have sensitivity towards this 
and the challenges that perhaps this presents in your life. Right. 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 But when you don't get it, I think frustration really increases. And it's, it's interesting. And we can talk about this at a different time, but how then when we don't get it also, what we do, we have this tendency to do is to check with other people to see if they get it, which can very quickly turn into gossip. Right. right. Because if, if they don't get it either, or if they don't have the maturity to understand that you're tri- really trying to process something, really what you do is you just get together and complain about the person. Right? Yeah. Which I way. avoid. I, yeah, I try to avoid that. But I just think, you know, I think that frustration can be a big barrier to compassion. Yes. A hundred percent. And, and, but also then I, I really do think it circles back to if you could, if there was some explanation that you could grasp that it would make the, it would make it easier to access the compassion. Right. Well, and I think that, I think that that also though, you know, sitting here listening to us talk, I think if I was a third party in this conversation, I would think, okay, so what, like if you're frustrated, that means that person doesn't get, get compassion. But I think that the hard part or like the bridge between those two concepts is that if frustration is blocking your ability to have compassion for someone else, it's really important to look towards acceptance. Like I accept that I do not understand Mm -hmm. what your experience is. And I accept that and I'm not going to try and change it, even though I don't understand it, I'm going to accept it and, and accept it as reality. And therefore I'm like going to push through it and find compassion. I think that that's another, you know, when, when people talk about acceptance, it's not just like accepting that that person's reality is their reality. It's also accepting. I have to be uncomfortable with my feelings of frustration or I have to be uncomfortable with my lack of understanding. Like I'm accepting that I don't understand. And in the book, when he says that love and compassion deepens understanding, right? The other thing alongside of acceptance that I think has to happen for, for people a lot of times is just, the the reestablishing of connection because when we feel yeah. like we're not understood or we feel like we we can't understand them the connection between those people becomes ruptured in some way right so and then the frustration just widens the divide and the absence of solution widens the divide even more right mm-hmm. And so versus saying, okay, I'm going to have to learn how to accept what I cannot understand, but also making that bid for reconnection to say part of the problem is that we are no longer connected because I don't understand. So I want to bid for connection in order to reestablish that we are a team or we right. are friends because when we don't understand suddenly it kind of pits people against people real quick. Right. 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 And so one of the things that 
you when you say acceptance it's also about saying i want to reestablish relationship so by accepting right. what i don't understand here i'm saying okay i don't want to rupture this relationship just because i don't get it right and and what i would add just to that particular story that you were sharing is that probably the bigger thing you didn't understand was how people get frozen, right? We talk about that yeah. fight, flight, freeze, right? And I think right. that you, I think you don't understand when a person gets frozen. And because right. you're not a person that freezes for very long, you might freeze, but you, mm -hmm. you typically go towards, you know, I'm going to plow through these things. So for a person mm -hmm. to like stop in their tracks, you actually don't understand the concept of stopping in your tracks. That's right. actually, whereas if you could understand what it feels like to come to a complete paralyzed halt, you would then be able to problem solve it out. But because you don't have a shared experience of that, it actually creates frustration for you. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so, I agree with that. So I think the practice is that in that particular case, it's when, when things calm down a little bit to be able to circle back to it after, you know, all of the limbic system is chilled out in the brain. Right. To circle yeah. back and say, okay, what happened here? but making sure that you understand that you need to be having a conversation that moves you towards compassion. And that's, a, right. that's another piece is just to, cause I know, you know, we have to be mindful of time, but I do think another piece of it is stating you want to show compassion and love. Mm -hmm. I'll say sometimes in counseling to people, you know, I think if the end of the day, if you feel like I really have tried to step into your experiences, then I will have done my job well. Or I will say to them, I, I, I want you to feel that I have compassion for this situation. Well, how right. can I, and this is my golden ticket question. You know, every, anybody that knows me knows I believe a hundred million percent in the power of curiosity, but the million dollar ticket question to me is Oh, can I can I guess what the question is? Please. How can I how how can I best be with you right now? That's kind of what it is. Yeah. I feel like that's one of your big questions. Yeah, it well it is that. It, it's just the way I say it is how can I be with you in the way that you need? Because that's better. Yeah. And the reason I say it is that <laughs> I do want to be with the person in the way that is most helpful to them. Yeah. And it is a bid for connection, right? And, yeah. And those bids for connection open up pathways of understanding and it allows me to be settled in the conversation and it moves me towards that curiosity that's needed. And then I interact with them in a way that's beneficial to them and to me. 
there's nothing right. worse than like being with people who think you need one thing and you actually just need something much more simplistic. Right. right. Or like I can remember one time I got real, real upset about something and I was holding back tears and this person just decided what I needed was a long hug. Oh no, 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 no. I am not a hugger. Was it Jack? No. <laughs> Worse, it was somebody, it was somebody out in public. We were actually in the, in like the foyer of the church building and I was upset about something and they, they just took it upon themselves to, and this is how they entered it, Katie. They said, can I hold you in a, in, and comfort you? I feel like you need what? And I was like, what do you say? Like literally. Okay. Just to preface one, my brother, Jack is a big affection person. So that's why I asked about him. But two, mom is not a hugger. I am not a hugger. So to us, this is like, what? But this is like an assault. Right. There are plenty of people in the world that would love that hug of comfort and holding you of comfort. But it's just not mom's cup of tea. <laughs> no. I could take a pat on the back. <laughs> well, like, I remember, so I don't know if the people on the podcast know, but my best friend passed away last year, middle of um, 2020. And it was, it was horribly traumatizing. But I remember, mom, you hopped in the car and came down within like 20 minutes of finding out and drove eight hours to come down here and be with me. And Papa did too. Right. Mother of the year, mother of the year. Alert, alert. And one of the big questions you asked me was how can I be with you right now in the way that you need? And I just remember saying, I don't even know what to do with myself. So I'm going to drive you over and show you where my work is. And we just like went and drove over to my work because the grief was just so debilitating uh -huh. that I drove you over to the hospital and like showed you where the hospital was because it was something else to focus on. And you were like, this is so great. And just were distracting and helpful. And then at night I was crying my eyes out and all I wanted was water. You know, I think it's just like those practical, like, how can I live with you in this moment? And maybe that's the way to get compassion. Like when you don't understand somebody's response to something, maybe it's just saying, well, what do I understand about this situation? Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's good. Like, like, I don't understand your response right now, but what I do understand is we're in the middle, uh, like, let's say you're in traffic and the person freezes. Okay. What I do know is we need to put the car in brake and put the hazards on. Like, you may be frozen, but I got to make this a safe frozen. Yes. Yes. You know, and so maybe that's the way to lead towards compassion is like finding like practical things to do in order to help, which I think is why people love like meal trains like when anything when something traumatizing happens everybody's signing up to sign, give meals because it feels like a practical way to show love and maybe that's just like revert back to what you know kind of thing yeah no I think that's good I love the idea of go back to what you do understand and yeah. meet the person there and and also like this is where imagination can really come into play also is yeah. allowing yourself to imagine what it would feel like to have that experience. Because if you can put yourself in the emotion 
then you can navigate a little bit better, right? When you were grieving after, she, after Maddie passed, there was no logic in you. None. What I had to, what I had to realize was you weren't going to have any answers because you weren't even capable of making, catching a thought really in your grief. Yeah. Right. Right. So those practical things were like, okay, Katie, I need you to take aspirin. Like I need you yeah. to take Tylenol. You have a raging headache. Take the time. Right. Katie, I need you to go take a bath because you need to just calm down a little bit. Right. So you got to right. get in the shower or whatever. But I, you know, I, I say all of that and I still felt like I needed to ask you the question, how can I be with you? And when you didn't have the answer, I offered up solutions that were kind of compassion, well, I think that, compassion yeah. covered. Well, I think that they were true to like how you've always comforted me. You know, I think it's go with what you know until you get to uncharted territory and then ask, you know, Yes. I think that was the big, I think that was the most helpful thing. But I think, you know, when people are in situations where I, I think it's really tricky when you are in a situation with a person and you've never seen them express that emotion. Like, I don't think you'd ever seen me express grief like that. Right. Correct. You know? Yeah. And so it's like, I think a lot of people get caught off guard when they're in relationship with someone or a friendship or a family member expresses an emotion really intensely that they've never experienced. And I think, you know, if it's rage or like, I think the harder emotions like rage or sadness or disappointment, like sitting with someone through those emotions, I think can be really challenging, you know, like sitting with someone when they're ecstatically happy, unless it's like, you know, you're not happy. <laughs> Usually it's pretty easy to sit with someone when they're happy, but when someone's experiencing rage or disappointment or betrayal, those are like really hard feelings. And I think that finding compassion can be really challenging. And so going back to what you do know, when, when they're lower in emotions can be helpful. I don't know if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think to give one more example is that you know, I've had people that I've worked with that have gone through, you know, divorces and things like that. And they have been held on to a lot of animosity towards their, their ex-partner. Right? right. And, and to the point that it's, it's causing the people in their lives to become weary of, of, you know, the animosity. Right. And I can remember asking someone, and this is a powerful question also, what are you afraid is going to happen if you let go of the animosity? Mm. Right. And the reason I asked that question was because I needed to know what they were afraid of, because if I understood what they were afraid of, then I could have compassion for why they needed the animosity. Right. Does that make sense? So yeah. another question, golden ticking question is, what are you afraid is going to happen if you start doing this or you right. stop doing that? 
and, yeah. and very quickly <laughs> find out what the fear is that's generating the behavior. Right. Right. Because if I let go of the animosity, then I might open my, I might make myself vulnerable. Well, vulnerable is dangerous. Right. Well, now I can, I can really get my brain around the, the, the concept of vulnerability because yeah. I too have experienced vulnerability in my life. So right. part of understanding is also me having some kind of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. right? And emotional intelligence allows for us to have, have some kind of common understanding. Like I may not have your experience, but I know what it is to be vulnerable. I know what it right. is to have, you know, things, things happen to you that you feel powerless against. I get that. Right. And man, when people, when people think you get it, you better watch out. They bond yep. real quick. <clears throat> yep. Real quick. They people totally do. Real bonded once they feel like you get it, you know? So yeah. this, so this week, um, we're going to wrap our, I guess next time we talk, we're going to wrap up living Buddha, living Christ. How do, yeah. you, how do you feel about that after you've read how many chapters? Five. Oh my gosh. You're literally lying on the podcast. You read the number five, didn't you? <laughs> I've had a busy week. I've read four. I've read four chapters. Katie, and that then... was what you did last week, which is why we couldn't read with you. <laughs> Listen, guys, I'm not a reader. I'm really trying. I'm really trying. I have the book right here. I have the book. See, listen. No, nobody can hear that. <laughs> I'm flipping the pages if you can't tell. It's just a soft book, so you can't hear the pages. Yeah. <laughs> Bringing the book with you doesn't equal reading the book, just FYI. It's through osmosis. I'm just reading it through osmosis. I feel like if I have it close enough to me, the Lord and Buddha will bestow upon me the teachings of Thich Nhat Hanh. <laughs> Look at you saying his name. Hey, at least I can say his name. Oh my gosh. So have you, <laughs> you need to have granny tell you her osmosis joke. Osmosis Jones. That was a schoolhouse oh, that, rock reference. See. No, let me see if I can, and let me see if I can destroy this, uh, this, uh, joke so it went like this destroy oh, you know like get it good you know i've been I, i'm trying to be cool earlier i was trying to be cool it didn't work out i did the whole wonder triplets thing it didn't go <laughs> but this was something like, ask granny i can't even remember and then you can come back and tell tell it but it was something like moses is going through taking the israelites out of egypt and he comes to the Red Sea and he holds his staff over the Red Sea and it parts to the left and, and it parts to the right. And one man turns to another man and says, who is this that has this power to divide water from the left to the right? And the man goes, I don't know, osmosis. <laughs> Like, ask Moses? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Osmosis. <laughs> That's what the joke was. Now you don't have to That's like, it. just to make, to make that, like, context for people, 
Granny was an anatomy and physiology professor for years and years, so she has science jokes for days. Tell tell <laughs> people really quickly what she what she gave you to decorate your apartment with when you were in college. Oh, uh, so she had she had this like um, she used to teach uh, on venereal diseases, and she, <laughs> she had a whole unit in her class like dedicated to STDs and stuff. And her, um, one of her students was into cross stitching and made her a pillow that said on the, uh, they all signed it on the back and it was like their semester present to granny at the end of the semester. And, um, on the front, the lady had cross stitched herpes is forever with a heart. <laughs> and she gave that to me to decorate my college apartment with, and I sure did. I put it right there on the couch. Oh my god. So and you good. went to a Christian what, college, so it wasn't you know, like, that's what made it really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Boys were only allowed over on Tuesdays, but they would know her pieces forever. <laughs> that's okay. When Grant when I was your age, Granny I had some friends over to her house and again, you know, she's teaching anatomy and physiology. So she pulled out her anatomy book when I brought these two guy friends back to the house. And she opens it up and she shows them a picture of elephantitis of the testes. And Granny. Said, she says, you mess with my daughter, this is what's going to happen. And I was like, no. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no. Ask her tonight. She is, She's she is terrible. She, ruthless. That was her. That was her uh, form of like trying to make sure nobody had sex before they got married. <laughs> so like, don't. Well, have I can tell you, herpes is she's, forever. <laughs> I'm telling you what, she made Creole the other night that could kill the cow. It was so spicy. She put like a whole tablespoon of cayenne in there. Both of us were sweating our eyebrows off. So it's very fun living with her. I bet. I bet. Well, I, I hope you have a great rest of the week. Go home and collect all the granny stories that you can get because, you know, Perfect. she's she's good for the show, which funny enough, you did let her listen to one episode, right? Yes, I did. And was she under enthused? No, she thought we, we were funny. I showed her the episode where we were talking about Papa wrapping a piano on a mattress. Which, if you didn't catch that one, folks, go back and listen. Yep, that's a good one. That's, that's a good. good. One. So, all right, girl, go, go, go. Try to multiply your compassion by gathering up people's stories this week. Will do. All right, have a good one. All right, talk to you later. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Renewal Session Podcast. Make sure to head on over to iTunes and rate and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are dropping every Thursday, and I can't wait for you to tune in to next time. Until then, live your best life.